heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. from heaven saying come out of her my people that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues for her sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people saying with a loud voice fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Uh, friends, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us. <coughs> we thank God for this uh, fire has brought us as we are him. Let's humble ourselves as we pray. Mighty Father at heaven, thank you for this hour. We come before thy throne. Lord, we pray that you guide us to the end. May you be uplifted and receive glory to the ends of the earth. Who is like you in all the earth? May you be uplifted, O God Almighty. Help us. Hold our hands and be with us to the end. King of the universe, give us thy spirit and prepare us for the second coming. Prepare us, Father, for the latter reign in these last days. Wash us, Father, and help us. O Lord, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray and we believe. Amen. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, in a moment like this, in a time like this, we're going to have a Bible study, uh, an uh, message which is from uh, an ancient message, some message uh, which is from 1893. We want to understand, and we are going to start a series, and this series will assist us in the near future that we can understand what was happening by then. Because the Bible tells us in the book of uh, Judges chapter 2 that uh, when the prophets died, when the, the leaders of Israel died, another generation came which never knew God. They thought they were right, but they were doing much evil. So we want to understand how these people were, uh, how they were worshipping. And as we compare what they knew was to come and what is happening all around us, we want to look at the General Conference Puritan Articles of 1893 to 1903, even their current events, so that we can understand the message. And this message is compiled by, I'm going to use a document here by A.T. Jones about the Third Angel's Message. The Third Angel's Message is a message needed now, even the crisis which we have in the land it is highly needed so the third angel's message at the general conference puritan at course 1893 to 1903 general conference daily puritan volume 5 volume 5 1893 uh, it is by 80 jones uh, he speaks as i quote as we begin our pipe study i think it would be well to speak this hour at any rate, in considering what we came for and how we are to come to get any good, I suppose that everyone came expecting to hear things we never thought of before, and not only expecting to hear things we never thought of before, but expecting to learn things we never thought of before. It is very easy to hear things we never thought of before, but we do 
not always learn what we hear. But I suppose we have come expecting to learn things we never thought of before. It is simply saying we have come expecting the Lord to give us new revelations of himself, of his word, and of his way altogether. I have come for this. This text is good advice for us all. The book of Mark chapter 10 verse 15, our opening text. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Thus we have come to learn of the kingdom of God, to receive things of the kingdom of God, things new and old, all things in a new way, and new things in a new way. Whosoever shall not receive it as a little child, shall not enter therein, cannot have it, hence we Hence we are all to come here and to sit down at the feet of Christ, looking to him as our teacher, expecting to receive what he has to tell us, coming as a little child. Because not only is this text here which speaks to us about those who would receive the kingdom of God, but in Matthew it is put in such a way as to cover all the time after we receive the kingdom of God from the first. This is the quote from Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 to 3. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and said, and set him in the midst of them. And said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as a little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, if anyone should say that the other text refers to any who are receiving the kingdom of God for the first time and admit the truth that they can receive it only as a little child, confessing that they know nothing of it themselves and cannot bring themselves to a knowledge of it, this verse shows that it goes beyond that and that the idea goes with it even after we have received the kingdom of God. For in order to be converted, we are to be as a little child, receive the kingdom of God as a little child, allowing that we know nothing of ourselves, no wisdom of our own. It is not our own wisdom that can make it plain to us, uh, that can open the way by which we can understand it all right as it is. We must leave all our wisdom out in order to gain it and by being converted become as a little child. Except you be converted and become as a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. What kind of children are mentioned here? Little children. Little children have not much pride of opinion of their own. Grown up Grown-up ones are not so ready to learn. Grown-up ones are not ready, are not so ready to learn. Then, this is spoken as giving us a model, an example, an example as to how we are to become, we are to come to the word of God to learn. Ever learning, 
we are to come to the word of God to, to learn. There is another verse that tells us the same thing and perhaps in a more forcible manner. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing. Yet as he ought to know it, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 2. How many people does that cover? Any man? All of us that have come here, anyone then who has come here, will it refer to us as personally as that? Everyone. Any one of us then who have come here that thinks he knows anything, how much does that cover? Thinks he knows how much? Thinks he knows what? Anything? Does that cover all things then? Yes, sir. Then the text covers all people and all things that may be known. Then if any one of us think he knows anything, what does he know? How much does he know? He knows nothing. Yet as he ought to know, he ought to. Well, then we will all assent that that is true, shall we? Just a question. Just set that down for yourself. If you came here thinking uh, you knew something, you must decide you do not know that as you ought to know it. Then shall we come to this study in that way? Shall we all come to this study uh, tomorrow, next day, each time we come here and just settle it in our minds that we do not know anything as we ought to know it? I do not care if it is the oldest minister in our ranks. He must come and say, I do not know anything, yet as I ought to know it. Teach thou me, and we will learn. Everyone that comes to this house, that way will learn something, every lesson he hears. And this includes that same oldest minister in the ranks. He will learn more than any of the rest of us if he sits down like that. But how long a time does that text cover? How long does and how long will it remain there? Will we go beyond that time during this institute? Think you? No, sir. They responded. Very good then. We have that settled. For the old institute. If we thought we know anything, there are some things we ought, or there are some things we thought we knew pretty well. If there is one thing we thought we knew, just put it down. We don't know anything. We are always learning the most out of those texts that we already know best. Don't forget that. We are always learning the most out of the texts with which we are uh, already the most familiar. Then don't you see that anyone who takes and takes oral thoughts and studies upon it for a long time and thinks he has got all the thought out of it that uh, that is in it, he just shuts himself off there? When he says, now I know it, he shuts himself off from learning uh, what is really in the Tatati text. So generally what A.T. Jonas is saying is that the people nowadays, they saw they have learned a lot of things. They are conversant to several things, so they don't want uh, messages. They are actually full. They don't want messages. So we should be learning regular literature. 
every day we approach the Bible, we approach it as a little child to be taught to understand what the scripture speaks. Brother Potter here in the lesson of the previous hour spoke to us of God's purpose in making known to us these things. What kind of purpose was that spoken of? An eternal purpose. And the scripture is God's expression to us of his thoughts in that eternal purpose. The scripture is the expression of God's thoughts on that purpose in carrying out and setting forth and making known that purpose. Where then, what kind of purpose is it? Eternal. How deep then are his thoughts? How far reaching is that purpose? Eternal. How deep then are the thoughts expressed in the scriptures? Eternal. In how many expressions in the scriptures and in how many scriptures is the thought of eternal depth? In how many passages? Everyone, they answered. Then, it does uh, then it does take all the scriptures that are written for the Lord to express to us uh, what he wants to tell us of this eternal purpose. Yes, sir. Then, how deep is the thought in each passage of scripture and the words that are used to, to tell it? Eternal. Then, just as soon as any man catches one of our these thoughts and things, I know it now and I've got it. How far short is he? How far short is he from having the thought that is already, uh, that is really there? From having the thought that is in that passage. There are a lot of voices which says, as far as his mind is from God's mind. When he says, I have the truth, I have the thought, he has shut up his own mind from the wisdom of the knowledge of God, putting himself and his own mind in the place of God and his thoughts. The man that does that cannot learn anymore. Don't you see that at that instant he shuts himself out forever from learning? And the man who does that of course can learn nothing beyond himself and of course would never have the knowledge of God. The expressions of thought conveyed in the statements of the scriptures are as eternal depths. Then, what limit can we set to ourselves in the start of this? No limit at all, they say. Then, does not that present the splendid picture and the grand prospect that the eternal and the whole mind of God is wide open before us for us to study upon? Where then, let us not forget that that is the field of a study upon which we are to enter. So we have been in, in it a good while, and let us be careful that we do not think we know something. Let us be sure that we have not been uh, inveigled into the idea of thinking that we know something as we are to know it. Let us just settle it now by the word of God that we do not know that thing at all. There is knowledge in each line of thought for us to catch. And until all the depths and eternities are past, we will never get to the place where we will have the right to think we know that thing and are done with it. Shall we? Well then, I am glad to know that we have such a subject as that to study upon and such a length of time as that eternity in which to study it. 
Well then, let us begin to start with that the text is going to remain with us as long as we are in the world, at least, and it won't go then. It will go in this shape, of course. The Bible, the Word of God, as put up in this shape, will go. No doubt these Bibles will be panned up just as any other book of paper and letter. But the Word of God will not be panned up. That text in this shape, in print, will last as long as the world does. But after that, it will still exist in this shape, the body. The body. Then, uh, that text will still remain with us all the time, even eternally. And if any man thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. No, no, man knows it. No, no man knows it. Are not you glad, brethren? Are not you glad? Uh, but we must not linger too long upon any one of these texts, for there are several texts we want to bring up tonight. Taking the thoughts we had a moment ago, we have come here expecting to learn many things that are new and many new things about uh, what we have learned formerly. We have not come to learn anything but the truth. That is what we want. The only thing there is any power in. The only thing there is any good in. The only thing there is any sanctifying force in. Is the truth the truth as it is in Jesus, of course, because there is no truth in any other way. So the only thing there is any power in. The only thing there is any good in. The only thing there is any sanctifying force in. Is the truth the truth as it is in Jesus, of course, because there is no truth in another way. Then, coming with that purpose, to know only the truth, that is all we are to study. That is all we are to ask about. It is none of your business or mine, whether a thing we all or new or who says it is, who says uh, it in this institute or whether it is for us to study or for anyone else. Is it? The thing for us to ask is, is it true? If it be true, then take the Lord's word as he has given it to us. No difference by whom he says it. No difference in what way it comes. No difference if it comes in exactly the opposite way in which way we expected it to come and the probabilities are that it will for your ways are not my way says the lord then when we have a way fixed up we may expect it to come another way the lord will not allow anyone to dictate to him or to delay uh, out plans for him we may take the lord in that text oh god very little at a god that hides thyself but we can see him. He will hide himself. We cannot fix the ways in which he is going to do things always. But the best of it is we will let him have his own ways or his way to do things. And we will be in a position to do it all the time. Then we will be perfectly safe. Then we will never need to have any anxieties need never have anything to do with the management of it ourselves. He is all wise. 
everything goes straight with him and we simply keep ourselves ready to see him do it at any time and we have nothing to do but to enjoy ourselves in seeing him do things i have been greatly blessed in the study of the bible and in watching the lord do things and when it is the darkest the most mysterious then it is the best study because it takes us clear out of ourselves to see him do it if we could see just how it was coming out always it would not seem interesting when it is the darkest we can watch the more intently and with more interest to see the lord straighten it out so then we are to learn the truth only no difference who speaks it the lord will speak it of course no difference by whom it is spoken or the way it comes if we knew it before thank god somebody else knew or knows it now if we did not know it before then thank the lord we now know it the only thing to ask is is it true you all know those verses in second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 9 to 10 which says even him who's coming is after the king of satan with all power and the signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth anyone who loves the truth and will receive the love of the truth satan will never have any chance to walk in with all signs and lying wonders and all deceivableness of unrighteousness did they say no sir i might fit the congregation because jesus i said it john chapter 8 verses 32 you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free so you would not be deceived if you know the truth then everyone who received the love of the truth this will make them free then the one in whom satan is to work all signs and lying wonders is he free they say no he is a fearful slave so as long as we have it settled in our minds that the only thing we shall ever seek or expect is the truth and love it because it is the truth and take it because it is the truth then we need not be uneasy about whether satan is going to deceive us or not so notice the last half of the verse the effect of the truth is to make us free the first half is the best promise in the bible if we could measure promises but we cannot do that because one is just as important as another or are the thoughts of god and his thoughts are eternal but this is an excellent uh this is an excellent promise you shall know the truth that's one part that it seems to me is a most wonderful promise you shall know the truth so think think you know it wonder if you know it wonder whether such and such a thing is true no sir you shall know the truth that is the promise of jesus christ to you and to me that when we trust in him and follow him we shall know the truth and as certain as we yield to him and follow him he will take care that we know the truth and we trust him for it then said jesus to those jews which believed on him if you continue in my words then are you my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free how are we to know the truth 
continue in his words, be his disciples indeed. How do we know the truth? Continue in his words, the Bible, be his disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. Then his word is the word of truth. You shall know the truth. We want to stick to that promise. It seems to me that if that promise were the only, uh, the only one in the Bible, it would be all we could need. You shall know the truth. Because Christ has promised that this is for you and for me. When we follow him and when we yield to him. And because this is so, it seems to me that uh, we ought to be the gladdest people on earth. For that promise given, you shall know the truth. So, there are going to be plenty of opportunities, assuredly. There have been some already, no doubt, in just the first lessons which have been given. Some opportunities already for persons in the classes to say. Well, now is that so? Probably some opportunity has already been offered for some to say, well now, I do not know about that. There will be countless instances, doubtless, before the six weeks are passed that the Lord has given us to study His Word and ways, numberless times in which we will be called upon to say, Well, now is that so? What is the promise? You shall know the truth. So that is our topic. You shall know the truth. Now, the Lord does not want us to take things because someone says them. God does not want us to say when anyone says a thing. Well, that is so, because he says it. That is not a thing. We are to know it uh, is true because God says it. So you don't say, for instance, the crisis we have in the world is that people say it is truth. Because man has said. But now the Lord does not want us to take things because some, someone says them. God does not want us to say when anyone says a thing well that is so because he says it that is not a thing we are to know it it is true because god says it i say that there is the promise you shall know there will be the opportunity for the query to arise is that so how about that there is the query but there is the promise with it do not forget it Jesus has said to you every time that the query arises, you shall know the truth. Then, when that query arises from some thought in the lesson, what is the answer to you and me? What are we then to consider? What is the place for us to occupy just then? Here is some brother who will be speaking some day and they will make a statement perhaps, reading a passage or a two or a three passages and catch a thought there that is new to me. Make an expression here that is new to me. And the query comes, well, now is that so? What is the answer to me? You shall know the truth. Then, what am I to do just then with that new thought? With that query, am I now just to hold that query, that new thoughts, that which is to me a new thought? Am I not to hold that right before Christ and ask him the truth? Or would not, could not I better go to some of the brethren and ask, what do you think about that? 
Prata A, say so and so. What do you think about that? That is new to me. And I kind of I have doubt it. Well, I doubt it too, says the other uh, Prata. Well then, of course it cannot be so. That settles it. It is not so. It is none of your business what I think about it. I remember once in a camp meeting, a Prata read some scriptures right straight through. It was about all he did so. It was a Bible reading. But the thoughts he brought out in the Bible reading were new to a large number in their audience. About a half a dozen came in a frog to me and asked, Well now, Prata Jones, what do you think about that? I said, it is none of your business what I think about it. What do you think about it yourself? Well, we do not know what to think about it, they replied. Then I said, find out. Suppose I had said I do not believe it. Then they could have gone off and said, I do not believe that, because Prata Jonas said he did not. Suppose I had said it was so. Then Guru Ava said, that is so. Brother Jonas says that is so. So I propose to tell you nothing about what I think. It is none of your business. You know for yourself that is the truth. That is the position I propose to occupy in this institute. I expect to find some things coming out here that are new. I have never found a meeting yet where we have studied the Bible that the Lord did not give us something that was uh, new, beautiful, grand, and glorious. But the place I propose to occupy is right upon, upon that promise. You shall know the truth. But I find people, and doubtless you have too, who seem to get upon the idea that the only sure way to know the truth is to raise all the objections they can and have them answered. But when I have raised and presented all the objections, I know against a point and they, all, they are all answered, then am I sure what is truth? Am I sure of it? No, because there are objections I never thought of. Don't you see? Oh, that line, can I ever be sure that is the truth until every objection that is possible is brought against it by every mind in the universe? Can I be sure of it until then? When these are all answered, will that make me sure it was so? If it will, if it will, how can I live long enough to hear all the objections answered? Can we get at the truth in that way? Is there any possibility of getting at the truth by raising objections and having them answered? No, sir. What is the use of starting on a road of which you would never uh, reach? The end. A wrong road, of course. Better not start on it at all. Another word. Can there be any objections against the truth? Think of that closely. Well, when something is presented, are you and I to say, I see an objection against that? Is that the position we are to take? No, we are to ask you whether it is the truth. And if it is, there is no objection. There can be no objection against it. Our objection is a fraud. Don't you see? The thing we are to ask is, is it the truth? That is the question.
And then another way the people have of getting at the truth is to hear both sides of it. You have heard that thing yourself, that, uh, that is one side, they say, but now I want to hear the other side before I decide. What is one side of the truth? Well, here is one side of uh, the truth, and there is the other side of the truth. Then, where is the truth? You get on the other side of the truth, and it is error. I have had one side, and I want to hear another side of it. Then, how can I tell what is the truth and how? But suppose I have had actual truth, and that is the need of it, and I am not satisfied until I hear the other side. What is the other side? Taking this one side to be the truth, what is the other side? Error. Then we can decide best what is truth by hearing a lot of lies, can we? Well, says one, I have heard your side of it, and it looks to me as though it were true, but I want to hear the other side. The truth is the word of God. Then he proposes by waiting to hear the other side to know whether it is true or not by comparing it with a lot of lies and thus make a lot of lies a test of truth. You see, we do not want to hear the other side. All we want is the truth. Here is one side of the truth, and there is the other side of the truth. He hears both sides according to his own plan. Then how does he arrive at the truth? In his own way, he has heard this and that. Where is the truth? He must find it out some way. Does he not compare one side with the other and weigh one against the other? and strike the parents and judge where the truth is? Well, when he does, when he has done that, can he know he has the truth? Is he sure that is the truth? Is my mind, my judgment, my ability to weigh arguments and decide upon the truth, is that the inferiority test of truth? Is a man's uh, judgment, his faculties, the test of truth at all? When we want to test the truth so as to know it is the truth, test much, uh, the test must be an infallible one. It's not that so, it must be one that will never fail. To discern the truth and declare it, it must be one that will never miss under any circumstances amid 10,000 arguments and errors. So the one by which we must test the truth must be such a one as we strike the truth among 10 million diverse opinions and strike it without fear in succession. Even thoughts, every thought that may be raised among us, among men. Is not that so? Man's mind, we know, is not the test of truth. It is only his own idea and the truth that he settles upon. But your thoughts are not my thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. You see now? Now, brethren, in the time in which we are, there are two reasons why uh, that thing could not be worked, even if it were correct. One is that the truth of God is developing so rapidly that we have uh, not time to hunt out all the objections and listen to the arguments 
on both sides because we could be everlastingly behind while we were listening to a lot of arguments and objections. I repeat, now brethren, the time in which we are, the times which we are, there are two reasons why that thing could not be worked, even if it were correct. One is that the truth of God is developing so rapidly that we have not time. We have not time to hunt out all the objections and listen to the arguments on both sides because we would be everlastingly behind while we are we were listening to a lot of arguments and objections. Oh friends, is that not a nugget? Is not that truth? We are years behind, yet many responsible positions. What are they doing? Oh mercy, oh mercy, it's a nugget. So but but we do not want to stand in that place when profession crosses, that you are weighing both sentiments to listen to both sides. The time is too short for that, and we will be left out when we get there. But there is the promise, you shall know the truth. Turn again to John chapter 14, verse 16, 17. I will pray the Father, and I will pray the Father, and what will the Father do then? So, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Spirit of what? Truth. Oh, thank the Lord for the promise. I will pray the Father. What is Christ doing tonight for us? Who are, who are here in the institute? Praying the Father, he will send us the comforter, the spirit of truth. What is the position to occupy before we come? to the class each day, taking part in that prayer that we may have the spirit of truth, isn't it? So then, Jesus is praying, and by the way as Jesus is doing it, are not we in good company when we do it? Let us spend a good deal of time at it uh, during this institute. Let us spend a good deal of uh, time in his uh, company during this institute. What do you say? The audience says, Amen. I will pray the Father, and I will give you. And I will pray the Father, and I will pray the Father, and I will give you. Uh, and I will pray the Father, and He will give you. He does not say, I will pray the Father, and they may, may do it. As though it was to be decided after He had prayed. But I will pray the Father, and I shall give you. Of course, his prayer is hard for he makes intercession for us. He presents our prayers according to the will of God. And so then, he prayed, and we prayed that he may give us this comforter. And he does. When we ask, we know we receive, for he says so. If we ask anything according to his will, what then? He hears us. And this is the confidence we have in him tonight. This is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Then if we have that confidence in the Lord, we can have a good time throughout this institute. Ask anything according to his will and he hears us. Then it is his will that we should have the Holy Spirit. Then we can go to him every day and every hour of the day asking for that spirit of truth and know that we shall receive it. Know he hears us and if we 
we know he hears us. We know we have the petitions we desired of him. What a promise. Now, put these things together. Now put these things together. We ask anything according to his will, and he hears us. Every time we ask, he hears us. Then, when he hears, then what? We know uh, we may have it. Shall have it. Have it. Then what are we to do? When we have asked according to his will, we know he hears us, and we have what we ask for. Then what are we to do as his people? Let us thank him for it. Then, before we come to the institute each morning, let us ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit according to his will. Then, when we have asked, yield holy to the Lord and thank him that it is done and come expecting him to teach, that he will teach the teacher and through him teach us what I may abide with you that I may abide with you. How long? Forever. Good. The spirit of truth is able to take the truth and make known the truth at any moment amid 10,000 times 10,000 faces of error. How long? Forever. Isn't that good? It's not that a good promise that he shall give to us the spirit of truth and he will stay there forever. So even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Our faith, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you. What will he do? Guide you. He will do it. What uh, that is uh, positive. When he comes, he will do that. Where, brethren, can't we trust him then? Let us put the three things together. You shall know the truth. I will pray the Father, and he shall guide you. Then, can't we trust him? Can't we surrender everything to him right off without a single hesitation about anything? You shall know the truth. The Father shall give you the spirit of truth, and he will guide you. Then shall we not yield everything to him and trust him and expect him to guide us in every study we have here? In this institution, our pay to when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Will he? He will show us things to come. Good. Does the Lord want us to see things that are coming before they overtake us? As he told us that the people who will now see, what is coming upon us by what is being transacted before us. We trust no longer to human inventions and sciences, but we feel that the Holy Spirit must be recognized and received. How will we see what is coming upon us by what is being transacted before us? Jesus will show us things to come. He does not want us to be taken by surprise in any of these things. He wants us to know what is coming beforehand, to be fully armed and not to be surprised and overtaken. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and he shall show it unto you. And what is he? I am the truth and the spirit of truth. He takes what is, is, and shows it to us. Then, 
when the spirit of truth takes only that which is the truth, uh, that which is the Lord's, and that is all he will ever show uh, to us, he does not stand out independently and do great things of himself, just as Jesus did not do that, but yielded everything that the Father might move and work in him. So, the Holy Spirit in his place does the same things as Jesus did exactly. He does not show of himself, but finds what God told to Jesus and tells that to you and me. So he gives us the truth of God as it is in Jesus. He is the God of truth. He is the God of truth. All things that the Father had are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and he shall show it unto you. Then we have the scripture, but as it is written, I hath not seen, no ear had, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. There is the eternal purpose and the depths of it. That is where we are to stand asking, taking part in that prayer of Jesus every day that we may have the spirit of truth here in our studies and all our work guiding us into truth. Note the following uh, from Steps to Christ, page 105 uh, and page 129 and page 130. Never should the Bible be studied without prayer. Before opening these pages, we should ask for the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit, and it will be given. When Nathaniel came to Jesus, the Savior exclaimed, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guide, Nathaniel said. Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. And Jesus will see us also in the sacred uh, places of prayer if we will seek him for light, that we may know what is truth. Angels from the world of light will be, uh, angels from the world of light will be uh, with those who in humility of heart seek of divine guidance. The Holy Spirit exalts and glorifies the Savior. It is his office to present Christ the purity of his righteousness and the great salvation that we have through him. Jesus says, he shall receive of mine and shall know and shall show it unto you. The spirit of truth is only a sexual teacher of divine truth. How must God esteem the human race since he gave his son to die for them and appoints his spirit to be man's teacher and a continual guide? God intends that even in this life, the truths of his word shall be ever unfolding to his people. God intends that even in this life, the truths of his word shall be ever unfolding to his people. There is only one way in which this knowledge can be obtained. We call attention to an understanding of God's word only through the illumination of that spirit by which the word was given. The things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. For the spirit searcheth, searcheth all things, yeah, the dirty things of God. And the Savior's promises to his followers was, When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall receive of mine, and he shall show it unto you. So God desires man to exercise his reasoning powers, 
and the study of the Bible will strengthen and elevate the mind as no other study can. Yet, we are to be aware of defying reason, which is subject to the weakness and infirmity of humanity. If we would not have the scriptures clouded to our understanding, so that the plainest truths shall not be comprehended, we must have the simplicity and the faith of a little child, ready to learn and beseeching the aid of the Holy Spirit. So a sense of the power and the wisdom of God and of our inability to comprehend His greatness should inspire us with humility and we will enter His presence with the Holy Highway. When we come to the Bible, reason must acknowledge an authority superior to itself and the art and the intellect must be power to the great I am. For this time, for as long as we live, when we read his word, just as it is, let us never step up and if against it. Is there any if about it? Can there be any if? There is no if in it at all. It is just what it says. Thank God it is so, and let him tell us what it means and how it is so. I read again from Gospel Workers, page 126. I quote, God desires us to receive the Bible open. Open it is own merits because it is truth. The Bible must not be interpreted, interpreted to suit the ideas of men. However long they may have heard these ideas to be true. That means that I must not interpret the Bible to suit uh, this man or this speaker pointing to himself. That means that I must not interpret the Bible to suit this man, myself. It means you, you too, the spirit in which we come to the investigation of the scriptures will determine the character of the assistant at your side. Quote from Edem, page 127. Um, there is an important thing before I wind up. We are coming here every day for the investigation of the scriptures. Now the word is, the spirit in which you come will determine the character of the assistant at your side. Angels from the world of light will be with those who in humility of art seek for divine guidance. But if the Bible is opened with irrelevancy, with a feeling of self-sufficiency, if the earth is filled with prejudice, Satan is beside you, and they will set the plain statements of God's word in a perverted light. Idem. Let us not have Satan for an assistant. Then, let us be certain we join with Jesus in that prayer before we come, and remain in it where we stay. We should study the Bible for ourselves. No man should be relied upon to think for us. That does not say we are not to be led by a man. If God is leading the man, or by a woman either, if God is leading the woman, you know too that a certain man once would have done well to have consented to be led by an, an ass. That's a dangy. But he proposed to be led by the Lord alone. He didn't propose to have anybody lead him. But he got into mischief. Let us not choose who shall lead us, except that God shall lead us. So a man was once talking 
against the spirit of prophecy and telling how easy Seventh-day Adventists were deceived, how deluded they were, that their teachers got up and told them certain kings and they just swallowed them down the hole. I said to myself that I wished he could try it, try to get things down there in that way. It is a fact that Seventh-day Adventists are hard to lead. It is in fact, that, uh, it is true that a uh, fact that Seventh-day Adventists are hard to lead. I am glad of it in one way. I want every Seventh-day Adventist to be so hard to lead that nobody in the universe can lead him but Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. Yes, but oh, brethren, let us get where it will not be nearly so hard for him to lead us. But I am glad they are so hard to lead that nobody can do it but him, Jesus. Let us get into that place as soon as possible and then let us uh, just be led as easy as a lamb by him, by the lamb of God that he, he is. We must not become set in our ideas and think that no one should interfere with our opinions. We must not become set in our ideas, oh, Seventh-day Adventists, and think that no one should interfere with our opinions. When a point of doctrine uh, that you do not understand comes to your attention, go to God on your knees, that you may understand what is true, and not to be found as what is Jews, fighting against God. It is impossible for any man to comprehend all the richness and the greatness of even one promise of God. One catches the glory of one point of view and another the beauty and the grace from another point. And the soul is filled with the heavenly light. If we saw all the glory, the spirit will faint. But we can bear far greater revelations from God's abundant promises than we now enjoy. Yes. But we can appear far greater revelations from God's abundant promises than we now enjoy. It makes my heart sad to think how we lose sight of the fullness of the pressing designed for us. We content ourselves with momentary or, or momentary flashes of spiritual illumination when we might walk day after day in the light of His presence. In whose office it is to bring all things to the remembrance of God's people and to guide them into all the truth, may be with us in the investigation of His holy word. Edom, uh, page 129 to page 131. So, oh, what a promise that is that we shall know the truth. Then He gives us the spirit of truth to guide us into truth. And that spirit is such a perfect guide, such an infallible one, that it will silence every other voice than that which comes from him who is truth, who is truth and life. Well then, brethren, let us enter upon the study in this spirit and remain in this spirit, and God will teach us. And as it was said in the days of Job and in the book, who teaches like him? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. May you be glorified. All this we pray through the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Father. Thank you for the word and thank you for guiding us to the end through the Thai Spirit. Help us to see you and to understand and you, you to guide us. In Jesus' name we pray and we believe. Amen. Goodbye and thank you for joining Adventist Angels Watch on the Radio. Peace be with you. 
and until we meet again may god be with you uh, so god be with you adventist angels watchman radio is now on facebook on twitter on youtube it's also found live international find our radio app adventist angels watchman radio may the peace of lord jesus christ be with you goodbye